0: Did you know you can get pre-qualified leads at no extra cost through the TD Auto Finance TD Wheels app? Contact your dealer relationship manager today or call us at one 855 Auto one to find out more.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to the March 31st, 2023 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Lason, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. The federal government this week tabled its 2023 budget and it contains some incentive seemingly every facet of the auto industry, from mining to assembly, can tap into. Some in the industry call it a direct response to the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act. To break down what's inside and what it means to Canadian automotive, I'm joined by the president of the Canadian Vehicle Manufacturers Association, Brian Kingston, on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. Brian, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week to talk about the federal budget.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on.
1: Always a pleasure to have you. What are your initial thoughts, generally speaking, on that
2: federal budget that was tabled this week? Quite positive. Uh, the, The budget does respond to the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act. And that had been our key message to the federal government, as well as provincial governments, that Canada needed to understand what was in the U.S. IRA, determine what the implications are for the automotive industry, and prepare a response. The IRA is is effectively green industrial policy on steroids. 370 billion US dollars of spending, a huge component focused on electrification of the automotive industry. Some bank economists are estimating that the IRA is actually going to cost in excess of $1 trillion. So huge amounts of money are being spent on this transformation. And it was key that Canada rolled out a plan to respond. We know that we can never match the Americans dollar for dollar. It's not realistic, but we have a unique opportunity to play a role in this emerging North American supply chain. And to make that happen, we were calling on the federal government to roll out some supports and incentives that would ensure that any investment into the battery supply chain or critical minerals, mining and processing would look at Canada as a potential location to do this. So we think the government has, uh, has rolled out a really encouraging plan here. The tax credit for clean technology manufacturing will help offset some of those competitive uh, implications. More to do, but a good start.
1: So let's drill down a little deeper. How exactly does this budget directly counter that IRA? Are there one or two planks, several planks? What's in there exactly that counters head-to-head the IRA, that we were told leading into this, oh, Canada can't go toe-to-toe with the IRA. IRA. So what exactly is in there that at least gives us a chance?
2: So the most uh, challenging component of the IRA from a Canadian investment perspective really comes down to uh, what's called the Advanced Manufacturing Production Tax Credit, Section 45X, which is a production tax credit that supports any manufacturing in the United States of battery module cells and electrode active materials. It was very, very valuable what the Americans have put in, in that piece of legislation and made it very difficult to make the case to put uh, an investment anywhere outside of the United States. What we saw in the budget yesterday is uh, this new tax credit for clean technology manufacturing, which applies to um, not just uh, EV uh, assembly, um but it also applies to cathode materials and batteries as well as critical minerals mining and processing so it's not a direct correlation the us 45x is a production tax credit the more you produce the more you get back in terms of a refundable credit this applies to your investments into facilities to do these activities But it's a good and powerful credit, which I think will get the attention of companies that are considering making these investments. The other important point here to to note is that the IRA has very specific sourcing requirements. If you are going to qualify for EV incentives, 40% of critical minerals have to be sourced from the U.S. or an FTA partner, Canada, and 50% of battery components from the USMCA region. So again, Canada. So we've got our foot in the door. We're in the North American tent. This tax credit will help to make the case for doing this activity in Canada.
1: Do these two pieces of legislation, the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act and our budget that was tabled this week, do these two things together help North America compete on a global scale as one region? Because we've always heard that North America needs to compete with China and against Europe As a region, do these two things work together or do they pit Canada and America against each other?
2: I think they work together and I think they really strengthen the North American automotive market. Look, we've got a long way to go in terms of bringing that supply chain, particularly the battery supply chain, Back to North America, it is still largely controlled uh, one way or another through China. In, in excess of 80% of the battery supply chain is connected to to China. So you know there's there's a long way to go to build more of this capacity in North America. But when you look at the sourcing requirements that were put in place by the IRA, the fact that Canada is part of that, then you add that Canada has this endowment of most of the resources that are necessary to increase battery production in North America, add in the budget with additional supports to uh, encourage that activity to occur in Canada. And I think we've got a pretty strong case being put forward as this new automotive supply chain is being created. And I think it will put North America on a competitive footing with the rest of the world. So this 30% tax credit, will it
1: actually lead to more investment? And I only ask that question because we've, already seen Stellantis and LG uh, Energy Solution uh, commit to Windsor. We've seen Volkswagen commit to St. Thomas when it comes to uh, battery production. We've seen about three cathode materials plants planned for Quebec. Is there anything left to build in Canada? So did this 30% tax credit come after all the investments have been announced or are we still in the running for more things that automakers and the battery suppliers can cash
2: in on? I think where we're going to see this have uh, an impact uh, most immediately is going to be in uh, critical minerals mining and processing. And the reason I say that uh, is because we have a forecasted deficit of a number of these key mineral inputs that are going to be required as the auto manufacturing Uh, ramps up significantly towards 100% electrification. So lithium, cobalt, nickel, these are all elements that need to be sourced in North America to qualify for these US EV incentives. And right now, we simply do not have enough production and capacity in North America. So I think this incentive, this tax credit, will be very powerful on that front because we know that Canada has many of these resources. This will be an additional incentive to quickly move and increase capacity. The one caveat there, of course, though, is we do continue to have challenges when it comes to providing companies certainty and predictability with new projects and impact assessment approval processes and so on. So, you know, the the incentive is there. We know the demand's going to come up for these inputs, but we've got to make sure we've got a streamlined process to allow companies to plan and actually move from investment through to processing and production at some of these mines. We'll be
1: right back after
0: this short break. At TD Auto Finance, we know that now, more than ever, digital solutions are crucial to building relationships. We're constantly growing and innovating to help you connect with your customers. Our industry-leading app, TD Wheels, helps connect customers directly with your dealership, giving you pre-qualified leads at no extra cost. We pride ourselves in giving you the specialized support you need to grow your business. As the only truly full-spectrum lender in Canada, our non-prime, near-prime, and and fixed-and-variable-rate-prime programs all give you the flexibility you need to support customers in almost every circumstance. Our five-time J.D. Power award-winning sales, Credit and funding teams are available in local offices across the country to help you today. Contact your dealer relationship manager today or call us at one 855 Auto one to find out more about our award-winning service, innovative programs, and products, or even how we can help you find a floor plan financing option that suits your business needs.
1: Welcome back to the podcast where we're hearing from the president of the Canadian Vehicle Manufacturers Association, Brian Kingston. You called this budget a, quote, first step. So what are the next steps? Are there things that, you know, weren't in the budget or maybe aren't part of a budget necessarily, like you just mentioned, streamlining sort of the administrative process and the approval process? So what are the next steps?
2: So a couple of things. Um, uh, first of all, it, it will be making sure that we actually have the ability To quickly ramp up critical mineral supply. So what is going to be done? And there's some language in the budget around uh, trying to streamline impact assessment, uh, for example, all encouraging. We've heard that before, but let's actually see a plan now because this window won't be open forever. This transition is taking place right now. Investments are being made. We have got to maximize this opportunity and show that we can do big things in Canada and we can approve major projects quickly and provide companies certainty. So that's going to be really important. The second piece uh, uh, that that is is currently missing from the government's plan is more details on the actual electric vehicle adoption side of things. We've got the federal government advancing uh, a, a redundant and frankly, backwards looking electric vehicle sales mandate. They're going to be mandating the vehicles that Canadians can and can't buy and yet we saw nothing in this budget on EV support. So so what are we doing on charging infrastructure? The IZEV program, consumer incentive, it expires in 2025. Compare that to the US IRA. They have incentives in place right through to the end of that program, which takes you into 2032. So we've got to see a better plan here, a more coordinated plan. Production is key. That's where we're going to get all the job creation, the, the, the export benefits, the GDP. Um, but if we don't have more people buying these vehicles and the supports in place uh, particularly on the electricity side to to manage this larger electrified vehicle fleet, we're going to find ourselves in a challenging position in a few years you and your colleague David Adams of the
1: Global automakers of canada you've you've been talking about infrastructure and in particular EV charging for months, if not years now, when it comes to this, where are we at when it comes to EV infrastructure? We know we've been promised uh, a certain number of chargers, some spending on that, but where are we right now? Are we even close to meeting the needs of consumers?
2: Not close at all. Uh, we have uh, an existing charging gap and it's a growing gap. And And when you go out and speak to consumers and Canadians about about this, it continues to be one of their biggest concerns. KPMG just put out their third annual consumer auto poll, and it's fascinating. Um, They found that of the 70% of Canadians who intend to buy a new vehicle over the next decade, only 28% would actually prefer a battery electric or a plug-in hybrid. That's a pretty low number when you consider the targets that the government wants to get through by 2035. And, And then when you dig deeper and ask, well, what's holding you back? Price and affordability always comes up, but 70 percent of Canadians are concerned about the availability and reliability of EV charging stations. So where are we at right now? Well, the federal government's committed to 84,500 publicly funded charging ports. Of that 84,500, there are only 3,500 operational right now. This program has been in place for over four years. So how are we going to get to the charging infrastructure necessary if that's the pace? Of our build out, just to compare what Canada is doing to California. California has the same target as Canada; they want to have five million zero emission vehicles on the road by 2030. Canada has set a target of 4.6 million. Yet California intends to build double the charging infrastructure with triple the funding. So I I remain very concerned that we've got this approach where they're going to be mandating ZEV sales. And yet when you look at all of the required supports that other jurisdictions with similar targets are putting in place, we are not even in the game.
1: So let me ask you this, Then you were recently named one of the top lobbyists in Canada. So you obviously have the ear of the federal government when it comes to consultations and suggestions and things like this. How do you rate the federal government when it comes to actually listening to people like you and David Adams and your requests for more infrastructure?
2: I rate them very highly when it comes to the auto industry writ large and supporting the auto footprint here in canada when you look at that budget there's a lot of really exciting and promising things in here which i think have the potential to grow canada's automotive footprint when it comes to the transition to electrification not doing so well the zeb mandate is unnecessary we've made that case uh, for a number of years now just look at what automakers are doing the investments are unbelievable, 1.2 trillion from automakers globally into electrification. This is happening. This transformation is underway right now. Things like a mandate are a distraction from the real challenges we need to work on together, which is affordability of these vehicles and charging infrastructure. So we've got some work to do um, and the government has some work to do. I think we can get to these these targets. But we've got to be far more thoughtful in how we lay out this plan and do it together. We shouldn't be working at cross purposes. I think we all have the same outcome in mind here, but we need to make this work for consumers because it's ultimately the consumer who chooses what to buy, what to drive. And if they don't feel inspired to make the switch because of the cost, or they can't get a charger installed in their apartment building, this isn't going to work. And that is good for nobody. One last thing I wanted to address in the budget there
1: is a section in there um, that helps for lack of a better term, drive up wages um, in particular industries, um, trying to pay sort of what the union going rate is um, in that industry. How does that affect your members? Um, They're most of them, all of them are unionized. Parts makers are not all unionized, but I wonder how that affects the cost of doing business in Canada.
2: Yeah, when you look at that component of the budget, and it's it's interesting. This is a similar approach that we've seen um, from the Biden administration. So there's there's a focus on some of these credits, the clean technology tax credit, for example, where um, businesses have to pay a total compensation package that basically equates to the prevailing wage, and they define the prevailing wage uh, on union compensation for the members of the CBMA. Uh, they're unionized, um, so those those provisions. Um, they're they're already um, uh, taken care of. Um, So the question will be, you know, in the supply chain, will that have an impact for some companies? I I don't know. I think we're going to have to see more details um, coming out of the budget on how they're going to assess that prevailing wage and how they'll apply it. Um, But uh, it's safe to say that not every company will qualify unless they meet that prevailing wage uh, threshold.
1: But isn't there potential for that to drive up the cost of parts that your members have to buy and use they, they sign they lock into the contracts with suppliers who are non-unionized all of a sudden the next time around when they have to lock in for those parts it may be a higher cost no
2: it could and this is why we always come back to our message around competitiveness for Canada we're always urging both the provincial and federal governments to make sure that when you introduce new policies that you're looking at the broad suite of Canada's business operating environment, tax policy, regulatory, labor cost inputs, electricity inputs. These are all factors that go into whether or not an investment is cost competitive in Canada as opposed to the United States. So we've got to look at all of this together and look at it in a comprehensive way and just make sure that we're always being competitive with the United States and in particular the states in the US where you have a significant auto manufacturing industry.
1: Brian, always great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for breaking down the uh, federal budget with us.
2: Great to chat. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. I want to thank Brian for joining me. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.